If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Now on ESPNCLT.com and wherever you get your podcasts, this is The Shutdown Corner with Reggie Walker. Now, here's the former Penn State Nittany Lion, Reggie Walker. What up, everybody? What it do? What it is? What it be? I'm coming off my bye week, and I got plenty of energy. That's right. There was no game for me to call last week, last Saturday. But that just meant I had time to watch more ball live instead of just watching film. It is fun to be in front of some TVs on a Saturday watching some college football, but that will not be the case this week, y'all. It's a busy, busy weekend for me. I'm back in the booth Saturday for Robert Morris at Gardner-Webb, but that's after pre- and post-game for Sam Houston at Liberty on Thursday night in Lynchburg, Virginia, and then Friday night high school action for West Charlotte at Huff on Bayhackle Sports. I'm everywhere, miles on the car, need some sleep, but it's all good. Anyway, back to last weekend, particularly Sunday, spent some time at a tailgate for charity in Uptown Charlotte, and damn, there was a lot of Minnesota Vikings purple walking around the city and, of course, inside Bank of America Stadium. I was not inside, but I saw it on TV, and I heard from people that were there. It was a sight that I'm sure the Panthers front office, damn sure, didn't enjoy. Welcome to the Shutdown Corner. We riding out right now at 730 The Game. I'm Reginald Walker, Jr. I'm here with you for the duration. Y'all know how we do this every single week. Do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. Subscribe to the Shutdown Corner wherever you get your podcasts. I need that. Hook your boy up. Look out for me. I'm on the X at rwalk13, rwalk three. Hit me anytime. We'll talk ball. We'll interact. All of that. We got plenty to get into today on the show, including an NFL trend that I'm a lot concerned about, really. Uh, some rumors about who's next at Michigan State. What's next for the transfer portal? All of that and some picks. You know we got to have some picks. But first, <sighs> we got to start with the team that's local, y'all. We got to start with these Panthers. It's not pretty. They lose to the Vikings. You thought that this team was going to do something and, and find a way to get a win, particularly early in that game against the Minnesota Vikings. They looked solid, to be honest, to begin that game. And they were doing some things that could have put them in a position to win a football game. Obviously, leading 13-7 to at halftime, 
You get the defensive touchdown early. Kirk Cousins gives one away, the pick six. Franklin does an excellent job jumping that route. It was so funny. Right before that play, I said, he's getting ready to throw a pick six. I don't know why I thought that, but it just kind of happened in my brain. Maybe it was wishful thinking, but it happened. And Franklin Jr. took that thing to the house. Uh, Kirk Cousins giving them away. And the Panthers seemed to be behind their defense in a situation where they were going to try to do something. But once again, we saw a leaky offensive line that led to a paltry running game that led to a pedestrian passing day for Bryce Young. There was a lot of talk about a, a throw he could have made to Adam Thielen. I believe it was in the second quarter with a chance to give them a touchdown on a little bit of a double move type situation where Thielen worked his way to the inside down the middle of the field. There's a lot to go into that play, and I'm not going to get too deep into it because obviously you're listening, not watching. Uh, but on that particular play, there was a chance to push that ball down the field. Thielen started to break open toward the middle of the field. Just as he started to get open, where you would throw that in an anticipatory fashion, uh, Bryce Young had some pressure and was unable uh, to release the football. And then by the time he was able to kind of reset, um, I think there was some fear in the young quarterback's mind that the backside safety, who was basically playing a half-field read at that point, would be able to pick that ball off so he didn't make that throw. A tough read, a tough decision there for the young quarterback. I think later in his career, right, maybe even later in this season, I think he'd let that one rip and, and deal with the results. But from that standpoint, you think about Bryce Young, he only had seven incompletions, right? They, they weren't – it wasn't like he was throwing a lot of nine routes or, or fade routes, right, as they were, deep balls. Uh, but, you know, 200-plus yards passing. His QBR was awful, but that's going to happen when you don't put up a big number. Um, but the thing that is even more alarming, this running game finally had 31 attempts. But 2.7 yards a carry, that's awful. That is absolutely atrocious. And you can't win football games that way if you cannot win the line of scrimmage. That's, that's the bottom line. Now, are there some additional issues? Absolutely. Adam Thielen, Terrace Marshall Jr., DJ Chark, solid players. But those are not guys that any defensive coordinator is game planning for and goes, I've got to figure out a way. We're going to have to do some extra things to keep this guy from having a game. There's not that concern. Uh, TMJ, Terrace Marshall Jr. had his nine catches, but everything was short, obviously. Adam Thielen, seven catches, nothing major there. And so anytime you feel like none of these guys can even take a seven-yard slant and turn it into 40, that's even less reason to be concerned about what you have to do to slow down this passing game. So from that standpoint, Panthers really in struggle mode. And then defensively, look, I'm not going to sit here and, and bash the defense. I think by and large, they've played pretty well. Uh, Jeremy Chin finally flashed again. Etor Grossmatos uh, played pretty well and, and has been playing pretty well for much of this season. And so defensively, they're playing okay. I think they need some help in terms of getting some offense on the other side to, to give them some extended periods of time off the field to rest even more and make more adjustments. But overall, I think this defense is actually playing pretty well when you really look at the grand scheme of things for, in terms of the Carolina Panthers. But offensively, it's an absolute and abject disaster. Uh, they've got to find a way to get Bryce Young more comfortable. 
They've got to find a way to call some plays that create some continuity and build off of one another. I don't feel like I'm seeing that very much um, from this football team either. Uh, And obviously that falls at the feet of Frank Reich. That falls at the feet of the play caller, the head coach, the offensive mind. They brought in, they went to him because they wanted an offensive mind in here running this football team. And look, at the end of the day, so far at least, it hasn't worked. Now. I'm not going to sit here and eviscerate Bryce Young. I think, look, he's three starts in. I think we need to calm down, practice a little bit of patience, to be honest with you, as it relates to Bryce Young. Now, a lot of folks will say, well, but look at some of the other quarterbacks and what they're doing so far that were drafted with him. That's fine. Everybody's at a different pace. Those guys may come back to the pack, C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson uh, uh, and the like, while Bryce Young may start to progress and go forward more. So when you look at this situation, when you look at Bryce Young, there are some things that you can find as positives. Uh, More than 65% completions, right? Um, And and he's kept the, listen, three starts, just two interceptions. That's a positive. We've seen rookie quarterbacks that have turned into great players throw 10, 12, 15 picks in their first eight or 10 games. So he's a, a little bit behind that pace, right? He's He's less than an interception per game right now, and I think that's a positive. The QBR is not great. Obviously, it's not great. He looks uncomfortable at times. I think the game still has not really slowed down uh, for Bryce Young yet. But I I think and I hope that it will come at some point. It's just going to take some time. Everybody doesn't do it at the same pace. Uh, Do I think everything is perfect right now as it relates to Bryce Young? No, I'm not suggesting that at all. But I do think that there's some room to grow, and after only three games, I'm not ready to throw the baby out, pun intended there, with the bathwater. I think I think he's a better football player than that, and you know I think that we've got to give him a little bit more time to sort of get himself back right with everything going on in this program and in this, in this organization. So to me, I think we've got to calm down on Bryce give him a little bit of time and let things work itself out. Now, as far as Frank Reich is concerned and Scott Fitterer, Mr. I'm in on every deal, Scott Fitterer, you ain't been in on a good damn deal yet. And you better find a way to make a good deal pretty quick because so far what we've seen is a lot of things that did not pan out. And that to me is not something that really is going to continue to work in this situation. It's not going to be, Uh, what the organization needs. They're going to need some improvements on this football team, and those need to come really fast. And so you would hope that Scott Fitter is able to get some things corrected and get some things added to this roster uh, to get this team to a more talent level and and to a situation where they feel like uh, they can compete. I thought they would be on par potentially with the Falcons. I am dead wrong clearly in that, and they're going to have to get that figured out. Now, real quick, I was going to pick this Panthers-Lions game later in picks, Ain't no need to wait and build up for it. This team lacks an identity, and they're just not better than the Detroit Lions. I think Detroit will move to 4-1, and one, and the Panthers are going to fall to 0-5. That's just my opinion. Listen, if I'm wrong, that'll be great, especially for Panthers fans, but I doubt it. You're listening to the Shutdown Corner, Reginald Walker, right here on 730 The Game. Join the conversation. On the X, I'm at rwalk13. Hit me anytime. I'm going to stay in the NFL because I see a trend that's a little bit scary. These teams, y'all, 
Y'all better protect your quarterbacks, man. Like, this is ridiculous. I, look, I, I'm the first one to sign off and say Daniel Jones probably wasn't the guy that should have got the contract he got in terms of based on what he's done. I think it would have been more prudent to franchise tag him and make him prove it one more time. But look, that man got sacked 10 times against Seattle. 10 times? And he still completed 27 of his 34 passes. He's been sacked 22 times this season. Oh, by the way, and I know he was hurt this game. Maybe that's a little karma for not trying to look out for your running back, Saquon Barkley. Just saying. Just saying. Meanwhile, the Raiders, they started Aiden O'Connell because Jimmy G was out. Aiden O'Connell was sacked seven times by the Chargers. Still completed 24 of 39 passes. Khalil Mack got him six times. Hey, remember that thought about paying Josh Jacobs? Oh, yeah, y'all didn't do that either. You're running back. Hmm, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm just saying. Maybe that's a little karma for not taking care of these running backs. But more than anything, some of these teams need to run the football more. Let me get into a couple of more of these guys that personally need to be protected much better. The league leader in sacks taken right now is Sam Howell from the Washington Commanders, an athletic kid who can move his feet and get out of the pocket and get out of trouble. The fact that he's been sacked 24 times tells you that offensive line is bad. They need to mix in more running game and keep that kid upright before they get him absolutely killed. Justin Fields, y'all know my opinion on Justin Fields. He's been sacked 17 times. That athletic dude, 17 sacks. Remember, these are teams that have only played four games. So Sam Howell's getting sacked on average six times a game. Justin Fields is getting sacked on average four-plus times per game. Derek Carr's been sacked 13 times. Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill have each been sacked once. So that's 15 sacks that the Saints have given up in just four games. Y'all going to get somebody killed, man. Now, granted, the Saints, they're going to get Kamara back. So he may help in terms of running game and being able to, to change some of that up. But this is a disturbing trend. Now, shout out to Khalil Mack and Miles Garrett and all the best pass rushers in the league and Crosby and the Bosa's and all these dudes. I'm not trying to diminish them at all. But damn, is offensive line play this bad? Or do coaches, offensive coaches, just not care enough and they're so enthralled with throwing the football 40 and 50 times that they're willing to get their quarterbacks killed. I mean, think about it. Daniel Jones was sacked 10 times, and he still had 34 attempts. That's over 40 attempts that he would have had had he not been sacked 10 times. Is that the formula for winning with Daniel Jones? Aiden O'Connell's a rookie. Throws the ball 39 times. Is that a winning formula? For a rookie quarterback that wasn't drafted in the first two days of the NFL draft? Sam Howell, do I think he was drafted where his talent suggests? No. I think he was drafted much later than his talent suggests. But sacked 24 times? Come on, man. Like that's that's an issue in coaches and play calling. And I know a little bit of that right there. It's me criticizing Eric Bieniemy. I get that. And I'm okay with that. But if Eric looked at that number, he's got to know. He's got to do a better job 
of protecting his quarterback. Now, some of those with all these quarterbacks may be that those guys are just deciding to hold the football too long. Okay, I get that. But some of it may not be. And we're going to have to find a way to protect these quarterbacks. These are the investments. This is the position of investment right now. And we're already talking about guys that need to have the ability to extend the play with their feet. Justin Fields, Sam Howell, Daniel Jones, all those kind of guys, those guys, they can extend plays with their feet. And they're still getting their head knocked off. I'm going to need some of these offensive coaches to do better, and I'm going to need some of these owners and fans. I need y'all to understand, (laughs) running the ball is what's going to keep your quarterbacks upright. And if you don't believe me, you can say everything you want. Mr. Pacheco out in Kansas City, he gets plenty of carries, even though he plays with Patrick Mahomes. I'm just saying we need to get these quarterbacks protected and stop letting them get their heads knocked off. It's the shutdown corner, Reginald Walker. I'm here on the X. And our walk 13. Right now, we're on 730 the game. Appreciate y'all rolling with us. I'm going to transition into some college football before we get to some picks. Um, And I want to begin a discussion with a name I I can't believe I'm about to say right now. Urban Meyer? Yep. His name has been mentioned as a replacement to Mel Tucker at Michigan State. Let me talk to the people at Michigan State real quick. Absolutely not. You cannot do this if you have concerns about optics. You just can't, right? Look, you can't argue with what Urban Meyer has done as a coach in college football, not the NFL. Last time we saw him, he was with the Jaguars. He went 2-11, and got fired. We know what that looked like. But in college football, think about this. He was at Bowling Green for two years, 17-6. and six. He was at Utah for two years, 22-2. and two. Goes down to Florida, wins two national championships, goes 65 and 15. Then he goes to Ohio State, goes 83 and 9. I don't think you understand what I just said. Urban Meyer, this dude is running around here with an 85% winning percentage. 85% winning percentage. Three national championships in 17 years as a head coach. If you want wins, great. Now let's talk about what's under the curtain. All of the stuff, look, you if you want to believe the the documentary on Urban Meyer and the fluff that it is right now, have fun. I ain't falling for it. It ain't real. It's a fluff piece, it's a puff piece. It's just meant to uplift Urban Meyer so he can get another job, and I ain't falling for it. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to talk about the Urban Meyer years at the University of Florida, which was a nice, robust six years, if you want to talk about the Urban Meyer years there, how the hell do you not interview the Pouncey Twins? Enough said. And then you think about Ohio State and all the things that went down there under his watch. There's no way you can, after everything that's going on at Michigan State, whether it's the Mel Tucker situation Uh, Some people are going to point to the Larry Nassar situation as well. You can't bring Urban Meyer, I don't think, into that that pantheon of things. You you just can't do it. Now, there's plenty of other names that have been mentioned for the job. I don't know if they all make sense, right? Uh, Dickert uh, from Washington State is the head coach out there. They're 4-0 right now. They're number 13 in the country. Look, he's basically said – 
he's not looking at that job. He's 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 not going to take that job, and that's probably smart. Um, he's going to stay at Washington State. Although you could understand it if he did take it because of the uncertainty of the future for Washington State, uh, because of the potential for who knows where they could end up, right? In terms of where their program lies after all of this happens with the Pac-12 sort of impending demise, if you will, or demise already. Um, And so to me, that's one that does make sense, right? To, to, for him to look at, but on the other side of it, I don't know if he wants to walk into this situation. You think about Mike Elko at Duke. He's only in year two at Duke. And I just, I don't know what that fit is. And and the other part of it is, with all due respect to Mike Elko and, and his quarterback, Riley Leonard, just got hurt against Notre Dame. With all due respect to Mike Elko, he's only done it for one year, right? He's been a head coach one year, had a good year, had a good start to this year. We're going to see how they finish this season. Might be a tough sell if they don't finish the season strong. Pat Narduzzi at Pitt, he's done a really good job at Pitt. He was the defensive coordinator at Michigan State for about eight seasons from 07 to 2014. He's an interesting one. I think it's starting to get a little, I don't want to say stale, but it's starting to kind of wear at Pitt. I think the people there have a little bit of, uh, okay, maybe it's time for the next person syndrome, which is the opposite of how they treat the Pittsburgh Steelers and that coaching staff. Although some people in that town are ready to change the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, but that's a whole different conversation. But Pat Narduzzi, I think is an interesting one. I think he, his, style and his brash nature, much like Mark D'Antonio, I think would fit Michigan State. And I think they would be comfortable with him. And then another name that we've heard is Mark Stoops at Kentucky. And and let me tell you something. Here's why this kind of makes sense, but it doesn't make sense, right? It makes sense because he's from Ohio. Obviously, Michigan State and Ohio, the the state of Michigan and Ohio are, are states that are connected, right? Physically connected. But here's the problem. He's at Kentucky right now, and that state is physically connected to Ohio as well. So that's number one. Number two, I think Mark Stoops would have the same situation at Michigan State as he does at Kentucky, right? You think about Kentucky, you think about the SEC East, you think about Georgia, you think about Tennessee, you think about Florida, and like the history of what they've been, South Carolina even, comparatively, right, to Kentucky. Well, if he goes to Michigan State, now he's in, at least right now anyway, the same division as Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. You're not going to consistently exceed all three of those programs. Just like at Kentucky, you're not going to consistently exceed all three of those SEC programs, Tennessee, Georgia, and Florida, like I mentioned. So I don't know why or where that would make a whole lot of sense. It's the Shutdown Corner with Reginald Walker. Hit your boy on IG, R underscore walk 13, R underscore walk 13 on the IG. Before I get to picks, let's talk a little bit about this transfer situation in the new rule. Basically, there's much to do about nothing here. They basically have cut down the amount of days that players are able to put their name in the portal, right? Enter the portal, the transfer portal, from 60 to 45 days. I'm fine with that. I don't have a problem with that at all. You know at the end of the regular season or at the end of spring ball if you want to transfer. Because grad transfers, it doesn't matter. You can go whenever you're 
you you want. But for non-grad transfers that want to enter the portal, there should be a window. So you get 30 days right after the season, and then you get 15 more days right after the spring. I think I think that makes sense. Uh, most teams finish their spring practice early to mid-April. So you get from mid-April, April 15th to the 30th, that stays the same. You keep those days to put your name in the portal. Now, the change here is basically the time after the season. For example, before the change, it opened the day the college football playoff teams were announced. Now, after the change, it starts in January because everybody is done playing. I actually like that. So I don't think this is a big deal. I think kids know, even before they put their name in the portal, that they're already going to go to the portal. So whatever, ho-hum, who cares? I don't think this is that big a deal. But I do like the slight change in tightening that window up because these kids knew anyway, what's that extra 15 days really going to help? It's the shutdown corner on 7.30 the game. Y'all know what time it is. Pick time. And we're going to get into these picks. I'm only going to pick four games in college football this week, but here's a caveat. Normally, I try to pick the games that involve multiple ranked teams. There's one this week that involves a top 10 team, but they're playing an unranked team, but I think we better keep an eye on it. The other three, it will be two teams ranked with at least one of them being in the top 10. Pick time, let's go. Saturday. Number 12, Oklahoma, against number three, Texas. It's at high noon on ABC from the Cotton Bowl at the Texas State Fair. I've been to this game before. It's actually a pretty cool setup. I really, really like it. Texas is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Here's the thing. I think they're going to get after Dylan Gabriel. I think they're going to do a better job at the line of scrimmage. I think Texas is the better football team. I think Steve Sarkeesian and the job he's done, it continues to grow and the swell continues for Texas to be a college football playoff team after they dispatch Oklahoma this weekend. I think Texas wins this one by 13 points. Number 20, Kentucky at number one, Georgia. Georgia's a 14-and-a-half-point favorite as of Wednesday. Look, I think Carson Beck grew up last week. I think they understand that Brock Bowers has to be more involved, and I think this defense knows that they're going to have to step up and be more physical against Kentucky than they've had to be all season long. I think Kentucky keeps this one close until the fourth quarter, Georgia, again, a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. I think they end up winning this game by 17, but it's closer than that for most of the game. Number 10, Notre Dame at number 25, Louisville. This is the one right here, right? This is the one game, if you look at it from the standpoint of Louisville football, this is essentially the game that they've got to have, right? You look at Louisville and everything they've sort of accomplished this season, or maybe not accomplished, right? based on who they're playing and and who they haven't played. After this game, think about it. Their schedule is set up so well. After this, they go to Pitt, a team that's not what they have been in years past, struggling at one and four right now. Duke just lost Riley Leonard, likely going to be down for multiple weeks. Uh, Virginia Tech is a football team that's trying to build back up, doing a pretty good job there with Brent Pry, but not quite there yet. Virginia's awful. Uh, then they go on the road to Miami late in the year. I think Miami is not as good as their record says they are right now. They haven't played a conference game yet either. And then they get Kentucky at the end of the year. I think this is a key game for Louisville. 
the best part about it is it's not going to count in the conference standings. So they still have a chance to go undefeated in the ACC. Notre Dame is the favorite in this game, six and a half points. I think Notre Dame wins it by a touchdown on the road at Louisville. That one's at 730 on ABC. And then this is the game that I think people better keep their eye on. Unranked Maryland at number four, Ohio State. It's a high noon kick on Fox. Ohio State is a 20-point favorite at home against Maryland. I'm going to tell you right now, if you want a game to potentially take the underdog, this is the one. I like Maryland to keep this one close. I think Maryland loses this game, but I think they only lose it by seven points. I like Maryland as an underdog there, but Ohio State to win the game outright. It's the shutdown corner. I'm Reds and a Walker. I'm on the X, R Walk 13. Just picked some college football games. Let's get into some NFL games real quick. The Tennessee Titans at the Indianapolis Colts. One o'clock on CBS. Tennessee favored by one, so it's basically a pick them. Give me the Titans on the road with that defense. Baltimore Ravens at three and one against the Steelers at two and two. It's a one o'clock game on CBS. Ravens are a four-point favorite. I don't think the Ravens cover, but they will win the game. I think they beat the Steelers by a field goal. Philadelphia at the Rams. The Eagles a four-and-a-half-point favorite. The Eagles are going to move to 5-0. and Easy, easy, easy. The game. The Dallas Cowboys at 3-1 and against the 49ers at 4-0. 8 o'clock on NBC Sunday night. The 49ers are a four-point favorite. The Cowboys looked great. They looked great. They looked phenomenal against the Patriots last week. They won't look as phenomenal this week. I like the 49ers. They'll move to 5-0. and Cowboys fall to 3 and two. It's the shutdown corner right here on 730 the game with Reginald Walker. A couple of quick notes before I get out of here. Travis Hunter from Colorado expected to miss a couple of more games. You hate that for him. A change at quarterback. MJ Morris going to be the starter now at NC State takes over for Brendan Armstrong as well. And last but not least, before I get out of here, Canelo Alvarez, dominant victory over Jamel Charlo. I don't want to hear nothing else from Jamel Charlo for a while. Keep your mouth quiet. Hopefully, 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 Canelo's next fight is against David Benavidez. That's the fight everybody wants to see. That wraps up the show this week. I appreciate y'all listening. Hit me on the X, R-W-A-L-K-1-3, or on IG, R underscore W-A-L-K-1-3. And give me some comments. Let's talk about what we talked about today. Appreciate y'all listening and supporting the show. I'm Reginald Walker. You've been listening to the Shutdown Corner on 7.30. Boom. love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.